episode 19 of the DC Podcast, Monday edition. How's your day going, man? Man, it's amazing. I'm a little tired, not to, not to uh, you know, it's okay. I'm, this is so fun for us to do this, and it honestly energizes me. So um, it, it kind of subsides a little bit when we get behind these mics and, uh, and get to do this show. So it's been amazing. How about yourself? I'm pretty jacked right now. I actually have to get my heart rate up for this episode because California re-shut down, so I can't hit the gym after the podcast, so I have to... We need some topics that are going to get me somewhat... Um, jacked. N- not aggravated, but jacked in a sense where I'm burning some calories because I can't go to the gym for the next 30 days. Man, I don't I don't understand. Like, I feel like... I don't know if you feel this way, but I almost feel like I can't see the end of the tunnel of when things are going to get back to normal. Like it, It's like I almost felt like it was inevitable that they were going to do this. But I don't know how you feel, man. I'm just like, I can't really see the end in sight. I got faith 100% and I know things will get back to normal. It just feels like the world is not willing to budge on moving forward. I don't know, man. It's just crazy. For me, the strangest thing is like, obviously, if you're going to open things up, like the gym, for example, where people are like sweating and touching like metal and like the ways germs spread the the most, like there's going to be an influx in cases at some level. So it's like, if you're going to open that stuff and then be shocked and shut everything back down, like then you shouldn't have opened it up, but you take what three months to figure out how you're going to open things up slowly. And then two weeks in, it's like, Oh, we're going to shut everything back down, you know? Yeah. But it's like, what, at what point do you just go, it is what it is. And you have to open things back up and you have to get back to normal life. You have to get back into engaging with people and interacting. Like that's my thing is I'm just like, at what point do you just go? Yes, there's going to be un- unfortunate circumstances that take place. And there's going to be people that are affected by it. Just like the flu or heart disease or cancer. It's like, you can't live your life forever being concerned and trying to avoid all of the harms that, that are potentially out there in your, in your day-to-day life. So that's kind of where my thought process is. It's like, yeah, let's be cautious. Yes. Let's be smart and wise about our decisions and our actions, but it's, you have to like take a step forward in order to actually make progress. So that's kind of how I feel. I feel like we're taking a step back with this whole deal. I mean, if someone should be cautious, it should probably be Tyreek Hill covering high school receivers. Oh my word. This was, did you see that clip? It was insane. Like I saw it and I I read the headline and I was like, okay, this is just going to be clickbait. And then I ended up watching the clip and I'm like, oh my goodness. Like that kid, if he continues to develop, I have no idea who he is. He's going to be an incredible prospect. I mean, the athleticism that he was on display, he jumped over Tyreek Hill. And I know, look, I know Tyreek's not a tall guy, but he's really athletic. The other kid wasn't tall either though. You know, he was was super short. 5'9", 5'10". So the way that he jumped over him and palmed it with one hand and essentially ripped it from Tyreek's palms. It was was Odell-like. It was like- It was Odell-like. That's what it reminded me of. And I was like, that is disgusting. Like that is not something you want to put on video. Like I saw, I saw Travis Kelsey commented. It was because it was on the Instagram version and he commented on that picture and he said something like, oh my God. And like- tag Tyreek Hill, which is kind of savage because it's your teammate. But he was basically like, dude, you just got absolutely mossed. The only time it's worse is when you put Gronk in at safety towards the end of a game and all he has to do is (laughs) bat the ball. And at least it didn't have like a game on the line. At least it wasn't Tyreek playing corner in a real game where you lose a game because... 
That was the one skills are are abated for five minutes. That was the one moment where Rob Gronkowski did not look like a professional athlete. Like the way in which he like he stumbled and fell, it looks so unathletic. I don't. By the way, when you sent me that clip the other day, another unathletic video, probably the worst thing I've ever seen was oh the the Kansas City Chiefs offense in three years. (laughs) No, yes, this guy. He was like a business reporter. I don't know if you guys have, have, have watched it, but it, it went viral on social media. And this guy ran, the, the audacity they had to say that it was a 40-yard dash, it pretty much was a 15-yard dash. He looked like he was running with cinder blocks on his feet. And then he had then he had the nerve to grab onto the fence. Like he just ran a 40 in like 4.2 seconds. Yeah, and the meme going around was basically showing this guy running a forward and it was like the Chiefs offense halfway through the Mahomes deal. Um, <laughs> yeah. So crazy, well, but... Well, people were commenting too. They were talking about, like, I saw some Packers fans were like, now the Chiefs fans are going to know how it feels to have been a Packers fan for the last five to seven years when they've given A-Rod all, these money, all this money. And like, they've been- Pretty sure they have Devontae play. Adams. They do have Devontae Adams. They were able to draft him. But I mean, largely, if you look over his career, he hasn't really had a ton of weapons as far as, I mean, Jordy Nelson was like a nice player, but he went to Oakland and disappeared. So it's like A-Rod's largely had- no running game. He's had decent weapons. I wouldn't say that he's had horrible weapons. Like I really believe Tommy's had the worst weapons outside of Gronk in his entire career. Like the fact that Dion Branch can win a Super Bowl MVP, it shows you how elite Tommy is. But anyway, um, I'll get off that. But I just think with Mahomes, they're gonna have to continue drafting guys like McCool Hardman, like just speedsters, because they're not gonna be able to keep all these guys, which is fine. He can still win titles because he's that good, but um, I just thought it was such a savage video to post, not just because of the relation to the Mahomes stuff, but the fact that you would put a grown man on blast like this on the internet for running a 20 yard dash, looking like the most, like you were just run- It wasn't like he was doing a high jump or a triple jump. He literally was just running and it was one of the most unathletic things I've ever seen in my life. So if you haven't seen it, I don't know how you'll find it. Maybe you could type it in YouTube guy running 40 yard dash or funny running of the 40 yard dash, something like that. I'm sure you can find it, but, um, we'll nonetheless, up on our Instagram page after the episode, um, yeah. so just click on the story. Let's go to Dustin and Cole podcast and we'll have it for you. So we're going to get into the pick of the week. Um, so I, I really am curious to see just how sports are going to unravel when everything comes back. We're getting super close here. And the NFL just announced today that they're going to be adding a layer to the face mask, which is going to be essentially an additional mask for, you know, this pandemic COVID related season. And I'm like, okay, so you're going to be playing for 60 minutes or sorry, probably more like 90 minutes. um, And you're going to be hitting each other, sweating, rubbing on each other, bleeding, touching each other's blood. Um, I mean, it's a very violent physical game. So I just don't understand why all of a sudden post game, you can't do Jersey swaps and then you're going to have to wear a mask during the game. Like I just don't see, even if COVID was super deadly, how this would prevent it. Because honestly, if it was at that level, they wouldn't even be coming back. So I get that they're maybe just doing this for some sort of publicity or like, hey, some PR move of like, hey, we're, we're showing you publicly we're by taking action that we're trying to keep our players safe. But it doesn't make sense. Like I can understand if you were playing tennis 
where you're not really touching people. You're not really close to the other, to the opponent, but in football, like offensive linemen are literally inches from each other. So it's like, I don't really see how that's going to prevent it. So JJ Watt came out today, which I'm so glad finally somebody stood up and said something rather than just laying down and being okay with everything that's happening. And so he told uh, pro football talk quote, my second year in the league, I thought it'd be cool. And I put on a visor on my helmet. I was like, it looks so cool. I want to put a visor on. I had it on for about three periods of practice. And I said, take this sucker off. I'm going to die out there. So now you're going to put something around my mouth. You can keep that. If that comes into play, I don't think you're going to see me on the field, end quote. So I'm, I'm glad that it, not just a player, but a, a superstar like JJ Watt was able to have the courage and, and the respect for himself to come out and say something like this. And I couldn't agree with him more because it's like, there's no point. Like if you're going to do that, just don't return to football. Like don't bring back the NFL. So it just frustrates me that like they're trying so hard. I get it. Like you're making an attempt to prove that you're being safe, but like this doesn't work. It doesn't make sense. So kudos to JJ, man. So for my pick of the day, I've been going back and forth. Obviously, like Madding ratings got released, and I was actually looking at the Jared Judy reading, right? He got a 75, and then <laughs> it may just be me, but in my opinion, I think Michael Thomas might be the most overrated f- overrated receiver in the history of football. No, so he has to be. You have Michael Thomas at a 98 overall rating, where Drew Brees throws you three routes, a slant, a five-yard out, and a 10-yard comeback. So you're 97 overall, and you put Jerry Judy on that Saints offense, they're better. But I'll actually get to my pick of the day. That was just like a a mini rant. So my pick of the day um, is the absolute unbearable living conditions of every NBA star in the current (laughs) NBA bubble. Uh, Uh, Because let them know. Apparently, to every NBA player, or at least 98% of them, being in a billion-dollar bubble that was put together in approximately 30 days so you were able to continue to make revenue, so you could still get 33% of your salary that you would have lost if they wouldn't have put a bubble together. Everything's free, so you're not paying for food. You're not paying for your stay. You have Disney World to yourselves, right? There's no there's no lines for, for rides. They made a few different player lounges. Just like unlimited amenities, man. Like it's just unbelievable. It, the it'd stuff be an together. absolute utopia for anybody who wasn't in the NBA. Dude, sign me up. Like I told They're you that. I was living like, in absolute poverty. I feel, I feel so – I'm so <laughs> annoyed, dude. It's like I think a few episodes we talked about like – millionaire athletes and billionaire owners like complaining about losing money you look at how many you look at like the unemployment rate since COVID hit and the amount of people who right like you talk about people who went back to work initially when like there is the the major hype fear of COVID and you have like factory workers and you have you know people working at FedEx and UPS and they're like making minimum wage so they can barely put dinner on the table and then you have NBA stars literally chilling in their hotel room for 12 hours playing ping pong and they think it's a good look to get on Instagram live and complain. Like you look so stupid. Like you look so dumb. Like how are you not I that agree more. socially aware of what's going around that you're going to get on and like take a picture of your soup and be like, oh, poor me, it's soup. It's like, shut up, bro, and eat the soup. Well, and I saw Jay Williams, who was the former number two pick by the Chicago Bulls back in, like, I think, 02. He was a Duke star. And he now works for ESPN. And he he made a video talking about that, like that they're not being sensitive to the times. Like there's people that have lo- not just lost jobs, but like lost their homes, like their entire livelihood's been shaken down to the core. And the fact that these 
multi-multi-million dollar athletes are complaining about a bubble that was put together, mind you, a billion dollars to put this thing together where you have access to all the rides, you have access to movies that haven't been released, you're basically able to eat whatever you want, whenever you want, and you have people serving you all day. Like It's literally like a mini vacation. And so I just don't see where there's any room to complain. And the fact that Myers Leonard, he plays for the Miami Heat, he came out and said that he doesn't have an issue with it. Like there's a lot of other stuff going on in the world. And like the fact that they're able to resume basketball and they're able to be a part of this bubble that has been put together to benefit them. Like there's bigger issues happening in the world. So I just think like, if we're going to talk about things that are sensitive and people need to be aware of that and have massive EQ during this season of life, that's a thing where you go, Hey, like I'm grateful. Not only that I get to be paid handsomely to play a sport, but I get to now resume the season. I get a chance to compete for a championship. I get to hang out with a bunch of my buddies and I still get paid. I'm going to get a third of my salary that I wouldn't have gotten. So again, I'm in a hundred percent agreement, man. Like I know John Morant, like even said something like I wasn't born with a silver spoon in my mouth. So he doesn't have an issue with it, which I love to see stuff like that. So, um, we'll get off our high horse and, uh, but we just wanted you to know that, Hey, look, like we're happy sports are back. And like, we're happy these guys are willing to go and be a part of the bubble and play, but like, like miss me with this whole complaining segment of what you don't like about the bubble. Like just, just start talking about what you do like. So most people you would assume in life, you know, regardless of what industry you're on, most people you would consider them to be replaceable. Well, the internet broke last week when we found out there's no amount of money that would make Patrick Mahomes replaceable. Blank check. Like we talked about the contract when it first came out and we were like, oh, 10 years, 35, you know, t- sorry, 10 years, 350 million at 35 a year with, you know, contracts inflating, that might be a steal, but still that's a lot of money. The guy ends up signing for 10 years, 503. Insane. Like it's ridiculous. It's absurd. And then what effect does that not have just on the Chiefs going forward? But how does that affect a guy like Dak Prescott, right? Who's been holding out, who, in my opinion, is a few tiers. By a few, I mean like 32. <laughs> uh, Easy behind, on my guy. Be, behind, uh, you know, I'm on the, the Andy Dalton hype train. And then a guy like Deshaun Watson, who in some degrees has overcome more during his career no than doubt. Patrick, where you look at the situation, he was actually thrust in the starting role halfway through his rookie year. You know, Bill O'Brien, who I think is a, a decent offensive coordinator, is absolutely anemic when it comes to being a general manager. You look at their offensive line, he's never really had a superstar running back. I mean, give me a break on Lamar Miller. Like, <laughs> are, I mean, come on. Like, can you, can you be in a thousand yard rusher and be any less impressive? It's going to be interesting to say because you know – in some ways, this contract has to help them. But specifically for the Cowboys, and let's start on them, this conversation wasn't even close to being over when Dak wanted 38. So now you look at 50. I mean, Cole, what's your boy Jerry going to do? No, this this is going to have an impact on Dak's contract. And I think it's going to be a negative impact because they were able to lock in Mahomes for a decade. And I think a lot of people saw it being like a four to five year deal. And that was initially what was discussed. I think it was like five years with 40. 
on the table. And the fact that it inflated to 10 years, and I know it's five. See, here's the thing that if you don't understand NFL contracts, you see 503 million and you're like, that's that's out of this world. Like that's an astronomical number. But if you really look into the details of the contract, it really is a $144 million contract. So, um, but still, like even if he plays out this contract, which is highly unlikely that he will, but if he plays out this contract over the next 10 years, it it really is a good deal for the Chiefs. But looking at Dak's situation, because they were he didn't want a longer contract. He wanted a four-year deal, or he wants a four-year deal. The Cowboys want to do a five-year deal. And we talked about this, I think, like four or five episodes ago. Dustin, you pointed out that the reason he wanted that was because he wanted to be able to get out of the contract in a time where the salary cap was going to increase and he was going to get another big contract, right? Which is smart. Like, I understand that from a player standpoint. But from an owner's standpoint, like, you do want to try to lock him in as long as possible because if the mark, not only the market goes up, but if the salary cap increases, then you're able to get a franchise quarterback, a game changer on a relatively team friendly deal. And so, I think with Dak Prescott now, it, there was more reports today that there's they're getting even further away from an extension because they were able to get him on a $31 million franchise tag, which I think is what they're going to do for the next couple of years. And then I really don't, I don't see Dak ever signing a long-term contract with the Cowboys. I think after two years, if he hasn't proven himself to be a top seven to 10 quarterback in the NFL, I think you'll see him move the cat, either Cowboys will move forward or move on or he'll move on because I just don't see Dallas committing five years to him, let alone 10 years. Um, and I think rightfully so. And I think Dak can still, we, again, we got into the details of this a few episodes back, so you should go listen to it. Um, but him taking advantage of the franchise tag is actually super beneficial for him because over the next two years, he's going to be basically guaranteed um, almost $70 million. So that's a lot of money over a two-year span. And then if he leaves and somebody else gives him another big contract and maybe he gets 100 guaranteed, it's like, boom, he just, he in those three years he made, or you know, over the course of the next, however like that second contract is, he'll have made $170 million guaranteed, not counting endorsements and all that stuff. So again, I just think for Dak, like you need to understand who you are, you need to be self-aware of the type of player that you are. Mahomes is in a he's in a different stratosphere. Like he's he's his own market. Like you He's can't, almost getting too much hype now. I think you told me earlier in the week, you're like, dude, I'm starting to like almost not no. like Mahomes just because everyone's like anointing him. It's like the LeBron effect, like right when LeBron went to Miami. So even before LeBron went to Miami, everyone's like, Oh, LeBron's a goat. It's like, well, he's never won a chip. And yeah, Patrick has his one, but it's like yeah, looking at Patrick Mahomes right now, you're like, oh my gosh, this guy's going to win five more. But you even look at like Brady's career and like Brady could have won 12 and he won six and most people don't play for 20 years. And so it's like, yeah, you think the Chiefs are locked in, but you also never know, like no one saw Patrick Mahomes coming. So there's eventually right. going to be another Patrick Mahomes. Maybe it's a Trevor Lawrence. Maybe it's a guy three years from now that none of us know, but to assume because he won last year in a game where this is super unpopular, but he didn't win that Super Bowl. He didn't. Now, he had a few good plays in the what? fourth quarter. Hey, flick on the he tape, man. He didn't win that Super Bowl. He he didn't. He he made a few big plays late, but their running game, Andy Reid, who normally is a choke artist in big games, they won them that game, right? And so, yeah, he has potential when he's through the roof, 
but let's pump the brakes a tad. I still love the contract. I still would have done it. The guy's 24. He's an absolute superstar, but he's not the GOAT yet. Well, and I think to your point, which I think is important to just kind of settle on this for a second, because I loved what you said about how people are during, during this era, for whatever reason, people have massive recency bias and they almost, it blinds them to the point where they can't see outside of it. And I just think it's disrespectful. Like they're already talking about him being in the same conversation as, as TV 12, Tom Brady. And I have a massive issue with that because you have a guy that put in, he's put in two decades worth of work. He's won six Super Bowls. He should for sure have two more. You should, you guys should have beat Philly, man. I, it still bothers me that the New England the Philly ones don't bug off, me. Man. It's the Giants ones no, that kill me, man. No, man. The Philly ones the bug me. Like that, that's kill you me, can't man. lose to Nick Foles. Anyway, so I just think with with Mahomes and and Tom Brady, look, I think Mahomes deserves the credit he's getting in terms of him being the best quarterback in the NFL. He deserves the money he's getting. He deserves the accolades he's getting. He won MVP in his first year as a starter. But like let's let's not like become ignorant to what we've watched for two decades with Tom Brady. Like they're not like it took Tom Brady to win his fifth Super Bowl for people to finally admit he was better than Joe Montana. And I've been saying that he passed Joe Montana years ago. But like after one Super Bowl, you're already putting him in that conversation. And I just think it's super disrespectful because you have a guy like Patrick Mahomes where look, if he doesn't go to the Chiefs, and he doesn't have Andy Reid's system, and he goes to Houston, where he has Bill O'Brien, and he's got some weapons with D-Hop and Will Fuller and your boy Lamar Miller, but it's a whole different offensive scheme, and he has a horrible offensive line, and then you put Deshaun in Kansas City. I think you're looking at Deshaun the same way we look at Mahomes today. Now, Mahomes is built different. Obviously, he's got a cannon for an arm, and he's a playmaker. He's super... He the way that he's able to improvise is probably one of the best I've ever seen from the quarterback position. I just am really impressed by that aspect of his game. But I I just think people that don't understand the X's and O's of football and they just watch it from like a headline version, like they just read Bleacher Reporter, ESPN, and like that's how they consume their content and make their and they base their opinions off of that. But like guys like you and I who have played the game who have like intensely watched film and understand it, like we can see past the recency bias. We can see past the fact that he's just the most popular NFL player right now. And we watched the game. Like you hit the nail on the head in the Super Bowl, You and I were texting the first three quarters of that game. We were like, this looks bad. He looks bad. And I get that he pulled it out at the end and he played well to close the game. And that's, that's really an important, you know, trait for a, a franchise quarterback. So I'm not trying to take anything away from him, but like he should not have won Super Bowl MVP. And I almost feel like it was to conclude the story, to like get him into the conversation of Tommy, but I don't think he deserves Super Bowl MVP. And so again, I'm not trying to like, I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer here, but like you really got to look into it. He, again, he deserves the accolades he's getting, but like, let's not forget that like Tommy did this with horrible weapons. Don't get me started on the defense because I know people are like, oh, it is first three hit amazing defenses. Stop. Teddy Bruschi. Willie McGinnis, like are nice players, but like when they left, they were nobody. Okay. So like, again, if you know football, you know that like within the confines of the scheme with Belichick, they, they worked, but like they weren't superstars, right? So let's, let's not just say that he deserves to be in the goat conversation. I feel like people, 
they've diluted that word because they just throw anybody into it after like one season. And so um, I just think we need to go, okay, like you deserved your contract, but like now you need to prove your contract. You have the next five to 10 years to prove that when you don't have Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, can you elevate your team? Because in the Super Bowl for the first three quarters, he didn't do that. Like the 49ers controlled that game. And um, I think a lot of people look at that Super Bowl as one in which the 49ers let that one get away as opposed to the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. And again, I'm not trying to like be negative and take away from the Chiefs. They won the Super Bowl. They're going to go down in history as a Super Bowl champ. That's just the fact. But I'm just saying like, let's actually, let's not, let's not look at this on a surf from a surface level. Let's look at this deeper. And um, I think you're going to see teams like Houston pay Deshaun what he's worth. It's not going to be 500 mil, but I look, the reason I like Deshaun so much is because he's a guy that can elevate his team. He can make the most out of nothing. He's able to improvise with a horrible offensive line. So I don't know, man, Dak, I believe won't be a cowboy in three years. And it's going to be fascinating to see if Jerry folds. I don't, I finally think he's learned his lesson, but dude, I have no idea. Jerry, Jerry, Jerry can do anything at any moment. So I literally could flip on ESPN tomorrow and Dak's got a $505 million contract over 12 years. Yeah. I want to touch on one thing with Dak real quick before we go to Deshaun. So normally like for me with a lot of things, especially football wise, I'm a big like eye guy, right? So if I see it, I feel it, you know, I kind of know what's going on, but I think at times like stats are telling. And so there's an article released earlier in the week where someone was comparing, I think Dak, to, I think it was Dan Marino. They were both like the, the first quarterback Stop within it. like their first three, first three seasons to throw for a certain amount of yards, touchdowns. But for me, so much of the quarterback position is like, can you win me a football game? Like stats right. are nice, but a lot of stats are very situational. Like, are right. you playing a good run defense or a good pass defense? Like even even teams like the Colts and the Patriots and the Saints, you know, who have Drew Brees, they have games where they run the ball a lot because the matchup dictates that. And so I thought this stat to me was the most telling stat about Dak. And so during Dak's first year in the league, right? He took over for Romo when Romo got hurt. He had a 13 to four touchdown to interception ratio against teams that were 500. And he actually went six and three against teams with a winning record. If you look at Dak since that time, against teams that are 500, he has 25 touchdowns and 25 picks. So a complete wash there. And his record as a starter is 6-17. and 17. And we're not talking about just the upper echelon of teams, but these are teams with a winning record. Then you look at last season. So last season, Cowboys 4-0, start the season great. I hate bringing this up. I know it's probably emotional. But then against winning teams, he goes 1-6, 8 touchdowns, 8 interceptions. I'm not franchising that guy. Give me Andy Dalton. Let's go. With the best O-line in football, with arguably the best running back in football, with a true number one receiver, two receivers that went over 1,000 yards, That that's my thing. Like, if Dak was in Houston, and it's like, okay, he's a bad offensive line. He doesn't really have a running game. Yeah, he had D-Hop and Will Fuller, but even though- They Will go 4-12. and 12. 100%. So that's that's what really scares me about Dak, and, I, and I've, I've really- I've talked a lot about him on the show in sort of a negative light, but I really do like Dak. I just don't like Dak for 38 mil a year for 110 guaranteed. I just don't. So it doesn't mean I don't like him. I just think you need to be strategic and smart with that. Deshaun is a guy I love. I feel like I kind of feel bad for Deshaun, 
where it's like Patrick's had such an amazing last. I think Bill O'Brien's a clown. A hundred percent. Like I saw all these things about before the Patriots uh, signed Cam Newton, like early in the off season, there was stuff going on between him and Bill O'Brien and like maybe the Pats trade for him. And I think Deshaun from a pure talent standpoint is probably like has top three potential right now. I that was a massive whiff by you guys. Let's just be honest. A hundred percent. You look at Mahomes, you look at Wentz and you look at Deshaun. I think from like a pure talent standpoint, they're probably the three best in the league right now um, and have like the, the highest potential you know, ceilings, you look at Deshaun Watson and he's the reason Houston has been relevant every year. Like people like to look at the names on the outside. And I think DeAndre Hopkins is arguably the best receiver in football, but you don't win football games by having the best receiver in football. There's a reason the Giants traded OBJ. Now, do I completely love that trade looking back on it now? But what they did is they're like, hey, we need to get rid of this guy so we can get capital, so we can build our offensive line, establish a running game, have a defensive line to keep us in football games. Where you look at Deshaun Watson, horrible offensive line, every year top three in sacks. You look at the defensive line, yeah, they have J.J. Watt, who I actually love. I'm a huge fan of him, but he's been really injury-prone. And besides him, they lost Tyron Matthew either a year or two ago, so they lost that playmaker in the back end. Jadavian Clowney left. Their linebacking core is kind of next guy up. And so he's overcome so much, but people are like, oh, some people love him, some people hate him. I don't – I think – I think he gets a lot of money. Like, I don't think he gets $500 million, but I think Houston, if you're Houston, I think out of every sport, the most irreplaceable position is quarterback. Like, I think quarterback's the hardest position in any sports. I think there's other positions in different sports, like you look at a, a point guard or a small forward in basketball, that you can maybe have a bigger impact because you're playing both sides of the ball. But you look at the hardest position in the most popular sport in America, in Houston, Texas, which is probably a top three football market in in football. You have to compete with the Dallas Cowboys because no matter how good Houston is, Dallas is always, the Cowboys are always going to be, you know, America's team. They're always going to be the team of Texas. So now you have Deshaun Watson, who's electric. He's a generational talent. And you've done such a poor job supporting him, keeping him healthy. It's kind of like, kind of reminds me of the Colts with Andrew Luck, where it's yep. like, oh, we'll get you a few, a, a few playmakers. Yearly you know. similar. We'll do stuff, but we're not going to protect you. And then nobody saw Luck retiring. And so if you're Houston, pay the guy and protect the guy. Otherwise, you're going to be completely irrelevant. Yeah, hopefully history doesn't repeat itself because that's kind of where they're trending towards. But I agree. I believe that Deshaun, this is a negative for Dak, but I think it's a positive for Deshaun because, and honestly, I hope that football contracts do we start to see more of this where there's longer contracts as opposed to like four and five year deals. I'm not saying they all have to be 10 year deals, but I would like to see guys, you know, or teams being willing to pay and quarterbacks being willing to sign, you know, for seven, maybe eight years. And I, there's no way that Houston lets Deshaun go, but they absolutely have to get an off. They have to get the offensive line shirt up and solved and, Hopefully they don't continue to trade away great talent. I mean, they have Will Fuller and Brandon Cook, so they still have home run threats. And they did get David Johnson. We'll see how that works. But he benefited massively from this because, I mean, if we if Houston doesn't blow that playoff lead this year to Kansas City, I think we we see Deshaun in a way different light as well as Mahomes. So again, I'm not saying Mahomes still wouldn't be seen as one of the top, if not the top quarterback in the NFL. 
But if Houston gets to the AFC Championship and then for sure probably beats Tennessee and then gets to the Super Bowl, and if they win, now Deshaun's got a ring with a horrible offensive line and Mahomes has got arguably the best offensive system, weapons, a really, really solid defense. And I think you just look at things different. So context always matters. And so when I look at Deshaun's contract that is going to be coming up, I mean, there's been reports that he's going to be in Houston for a long time. So it's probably going to be a really long contract. And if it's not, it's going to be a big contract over the course of probably four to five years. And then after that contract's up, he'll probably re-up. So um, I just hope personally, and he deserves every penny. Like there's only a Mahomes and Russ and Wentz Outside of those three guys, my next guy is Deshaun that I'm taking to start a franchise. I'm taking Deshaun Watson. I love everything about his game. The only thing that I want to see from him is be a little bit smarter with protecting his body, but because he's not the biggest guy, um, but he's so supremely athletic that he's able to get himself out of really bad situations without taking massive hits. But I would love to see him improve upon that. But other than that, I mean, there's there's really there's few flaws in his game and there's very little to not like. And so he's going to just, he's going to deserve every penny he gets there. I just hope that Houston doesn't make the same mistake. They're in the same division as Indianapolis. So I hope that they took notes and they don't repeat the same issue that Indianapolis did because they lost arguably the greatest quarterback prospect and talent since people say Peyton, but I really think he was on his on pace to being one of the best ever. So we're just over two weeks away from the restart of the NBA season, and there's been some interesting signings, um, some notable injuries. Rajon Rondo actually broke his thumb during practice yesterday, going to be out six to eight weeks. The Lakers are falling apart, man. Avery Bradley not coming back, and then Rajon Rondo's out. I know. I feel like the Bradley one, I was actually, I thought it was a bigger loss than most people were kind of giving credit to it just because you look at the impact he made defensively. The Lakers were the the best team in the Western Conference, I think, second or third overall in defensive efficiency before the stoppage. And a lot of that was Avery Bradley's ability to kind of guard on ball. And you look at the Western Conference, there's so many point guards that they're going to have to go against potentially in their matchups. But I'm like, all right, well, at least they have Rondo who, to Rondo's credit, playoff Rondo, like there's a few different breeds of people where they have like a regular season in a playoff form and playoff Rondo is another level. And I wasn't sure if he still had it, but you were seeing the videos of him boxing during quarantine. He looked fit. He was hungry. And I'm like, okay, he's he's that guy that will probably fill that gap because to me, J.R. Smith and, and Deion Waiters, not only are they the same, are they the same player, but they're equally the same wild card. And they're were both they... super streaky. Like you can't rely yeah. on either of those guys night in and night out. Like you might get twenty off the bench for Jared, and then the next night he goes zero for seven from three. Yeah, and I, I think there was a really famous play um, of Game One of the NBA Finals where uh, he forgot to pass the ball to LeBron James and ended up losing a game where he had a fifty point triple double. So there's always the uh, the mental error part of that. And for I think we were talking about it like, oh well, at least Jared won't be on the court for those situations. Well, he might now. He's and a walking comedy scary. show. Yeah. I mean, at least he's the one guy that seemed, I know I had my rant about the NBA bubble. He seemed that he, they had a sirloin steak he liked. Um, they had the strip and grits that he liked. So he seemed like he was one of the players that was down with the bubble. So. Did you see the memes that like it was of LeBron and AD and they were like laughing because they were seeing what people were eating and they were laughing because they're like, look at what they're eating. Like we're going to have private chefs like in our room cooking as like the healthiest meals in the world. It was so savage. 
I saw a meme and it was like it was a luxury like suite room all of gold and it was like LeBron's room versus everybody else's and I'm like oh I could totally gosh. see LeBron doing that like you know LeBron LeBron's the type of guy that he probably has a throne at his dinner table like it's it's not a normal chair he for sure like he calls himself the king do you think he do, do you think he sits in that chair on Taco Tuesday though I think he sits in that chair like every breathing moment that he's not filming himself on Instagram working out at 8 a.m. I've always wondered like if you had a chair like that like in a, in the modern day like how your wife would feel about that like if she saw you sitting in that chair like I feel like it goes one of two ways like either she looks at you like an absolute king or like she gets super offended because she's like who are you like we're equals like you're my husband why are you sitting in that chair acting like you rule everybody the cool thing is living in LA, they own three houses, all evaluated over $20 million. So if it's a huge dose, you can just go to a different house. LeBron's obviously like bored right now. Like he's bought two mansions. And I think in the last couple of weeks that I think total were close to $100 million. He's the only person buying more real estate than Kylie Jenner right now. Do you think he's like, he- oh, wait, there's, there's a celebrity that's trending more than I am for buying property. Oh, I, I have to beat him. Let me buy two more houses. Do you think when he retires, he'll ever move back to Cleveland? No. Like, who wants to live in Cleveland? Did People you ever in s- Cleveland don't want to live in Cleveland. Did you? I know. Did you ever see that interview? It was probably like five or six years ago. It was like right when LeBron came back from Miami to go to the go back to the Heat or go back to the Cavs. And Joe Kim, no, they were they were playing a road game in Cleveland. I have seen and that. And they video. interviewed him, and he was like, "Why would anybody want to come here?" Like, this is probably one of the worst places I've ever been to in my life. Joe, I miss Joe Kim Noah, man. I'm glad he's back. So I miss The, I miss the biggest interviews. tragedy to Joe Kim's Noah career was when LeBron was a free agent before he signed with Miami. They had Joe Kim Noah try to recruit LeBron because Derrick Rose was like, nah, I'm a pass. That would have been fun to watch. D Rose no, and for LeBron. Sure. Oh, that but the fact so, that like, like Derrick Rose had such a big ego that he wouldn't recruit LeBron, and the fact that you were like, "All right, well, we'll see him, Joakim Noah," because he's the guy. He's a LeBron guy. Like, he's the last guy LeBron's going to talk to in the league. But besides that, um, there was a few other signings, right? I think the Lakers one is is the biggest, just because if you look at the injuries they had, right? The Nets signed Jamal Crawford and Michael Beasley, um, which will be interesting. I mean, I think. The Nets had so much promise in this playoff run if they would have had Kyrie Irving and Durant play, but neither of them are playing. I think Spencer Dinwiddie, I think he had like the COVID virus, so he's going to stay yeah. home. It actually broke today that Russell Westbrook actually had the virus, yep. so he didn't travel with the team, so they're going to quarantine him, and he should be back by the 30th. But for most teams, I don't think any of the signings or any of the injuries are going to affect them that much, but you look at the Lakers, who... In my opinion, they were always a favorite. I know the Bucks have played really well, and I know the Raptors have played really well. But when you think of AD and LeBron and the playoff mode LeBron goes to, now LeBron, like we made the joke about Rondo, like regular season Rondo and playoff Rondo. Like regular season LeBron's really, really good. And then playoff LeBron's like, oh, I didn't know you could be that much better. Like he goes to another level that is, is absolutely crazy. And he's had three months off to just train like that's going to be really scary. Yeah. I don't see why everybody continues to go back to the Clippers being the favorite in the West and largely being the favorite in the entire tournament. But you go to the East and you got Boston and Philly and Milwaukee. I think are the top three teams that are going to make a run. I think Toronto is going to be interesting to watch, but I just don't think they have enough firepower to like close things out and get to the finals again. But 
I don't know why people think that the Clippers are like a shoe-in. Like I get that on paper they're unbelievably stacked. They're so deep too. I think that's super important in a normal playoff and a normal season. When you've had three to four months off to get healed, to get rested, to get right, I just don't see how you look at Braun and AD and that Lakers team and you look at the Clippers who I feel like, again, on paper, they're amazing, but the chemistry there has really been concerning for me the whole year, like especially how much they've, like how much time they've taken off, like with their load management and Paul George largely being hurt a lot of this year. And uh, I don't, I don't feel super confident about that team. And I think going forward, like long-term, they're going to be better than the Lakers because they're younger, but I don't, like everybody's writing the Lakers off. They're like, there's no way he's winning this. And I feel like Braun's more motivated than ever because time's 100% against him. And he wants to try to catch MJ. And he knows this is his shot. Like if Braun doesn't win the title this year, he's a he's for sure not catching MJ. And it's already a small chance that he will. So I just, I, I think, look, the Clippers have an unbelievable shot. But to just say like, oh, LA, like the Lakers are going to lose in the Western Conference Finals to the Clippers and the Clippers are essentially a shoe into the finals. I just, I just don't see that. So I, I think it's fun to see that Jamal Crawford's back. He's 40, just out there still hooping and balling. And I feel like Michael Beasley, I feel like he's that guy that's just going to randomly pop up every once in a while for like the next five years. Like he just, he signs with, he's played with so many teams, like for being the number two pick in the draft and like considered an incredible prospect at that time and the way he's just been a journeyman player it's like do you do you remember when he said that he was a he better had so much potential dude like he kevin durant came out and said when they were playing in maryland back in the day i think they, they grew up in the same area that michael beasley was better than kevin durant like he, at kansas state i think he averaged something ridiculous like it was like, 20, like 28 10 and 5 like yeah it was, it was something ridiculous it was nba numbers as a freshman a lot of people thought he'd actually go ahead of Derrick Rose. He went to Miami, and then he kind of got unlucky where, like, when he was kind of, like, catching his groove, he got shipped out to make room for LeBron and Bosh. But, I mean, you still have to be a professional. But he's one of the few guys where – I mean, he could have been Carmelo Anthony. And, you know – Well, he did say when Car- he went to New York that he was a better – he was better than Carmelo, so that was funny. Oh, uh, Carmelo, Carmelo on the left side. Yes. Um, yeah, I think for Carmelo, for a lot of it, the fact that LeBron's played so long, I think it's hurt him. Because Carmelo, I think, I feel like now people like just hate on Carmelo and don't like realize how good he was in Denver. He was so. Like, we good. talked about this he like probably so like, ten episodes ago, but that Denver Nuggets team with him, AI, Chauncey Billups, that's like an all-time two K team. Like he's a he's a if top they would have beat the Lakers. He's a top ten offensive talent in the history of the NBA. No, for sure. Like if they would have beat the Lakers in that Western Conference series, that's one of the great what ifs. Uh, of basketball history but that's going to wrap up episode 19 of the dc podcast thanks for tuning in like always we had a blast today please follow us on social media please rate review share with your friends and families if you have any topics you'd like us to talk about on friday's podcast send us a dm and have a safe week Mm -hmm.